Hello, and welcome to Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? I am Dr. Lee Salas, and today we're talking about the title of this show and why I chose to have an entire show about this question I have heard not only others say, but I have heard myself say, why does this keep happening to me? I think that I found that people just keep repeating the same patterns in their life, the same relationships, the same um, unhealthy choices or healthy choices really, but the, the, that the same patterns keep recurring over and over again with this perception that a person has no control over what is happening to them and that they're just kind of floating around and things are coming their way without any input. So I found myself saying this a lot before the age of 33. And at 33, I had what I guess a lot of people would call a spiritual awakening. Uh, And now I'll do a whole other show on that. But what happened in that moment is this realization, this uh, experience where everything sort of came together. All of the spiritual texts I was reading, uh, whether it was the Tao Te Ching or the Bhagavad Gita or the Bible or um, any any, uh, texts on Buddhism, Uh, And I just started finding that there were uh, common themes and commonalities among all the traditions related to thoughts and related to beliefs and related to how we bring experiences into our life. And then my training as a psychologist all came together as well, along with my own life experiences and the realization that I was actually creating everything that was happening in my life and nothing was actually happening to me, but I was actually manifesting and creating it from my own thoughts, beliefs, and choices. So when I became aware of all of this, I realized that everyone does this consciously and subconsciously, but because we have this ongoing monologue going through our head all day long and it is believed that we have I've read something between 20,000 and 100,000 thoughts per day and that most of these thoughts over 80% of these thoughts are recycled there's nothing original going on they're all just the same thoughts we've had repeated day after day and these thoughts become much like that air conditioner running in the background and you don't really notice it's on until it turns off. And the moment it turns off, you realize how loud it's been all along. And that monologue going on in our minds is constant, repetitive, and we are not noticing it because it's the same theme over and over again. And it's based on our belief system. So most people are not aware of their belief system because it begins at a very early age. So you, we go through life. We have a lot of memories that are pre-verbal. 
And so we have a lot of, they're not really memories because we don't remember them, but our body remembers them. And we are familiar with experiences that we tend to recreate because they have become part of our belief system. So the best way for me, I guess, to illustrate this is to just kind of give you an example in terms of either psychology. Um, I remember learning just like psychodynamic theory, attachment theory, how we attach to our primary caregivers. And, you know, when you're in school and you're a student, you're like, oh, you know, this is um, a lot of just theory and, and textbooks you're reading. But as I started doing psychotherapy, I realized that I was observing this happen with a lot of my clients. And so they would, for example, find themselves in relationships where their needs were not being met, where they were feeling powerless. And in talking to them about their upbringing and their childhood, I started seeing over thousands and thousands of clients and hours in psychotherapy that the themes that were being repeated and the unmet needs that were being experienced as adults were the same unmet needs and the same feelings of powerlessness that were experienced in early childhood. So another way that I saw this for myself coming into play is in my belief about gender roles. And that's a whole other topic we can talk about on another show. But in terms of belief system, I was raised in a household in a culture uh, where I was, it was a Greek household. My parents were immigrants where it was taught that the male was the dominant, you know, uh, figure that was the breadwinner and that the female was the more submissive homemaker and would sort of keep her opinions to herself and be there to kind of serve the husband. And so until I was about, I would say 20, I believe that that's what women, you know, that was what was represented to me, all my role models, all of my aunts, all of my uncles, my cousins, a lot of people I was around um, growing up, um, aside from, you know, of course, my American friends and my, uh, my friends from other cultures. Um, but I, I started to believe that this was what I was meant to do and what I was meant to be. So what happens is when we are uh, experiencing or, or believing something that doesn't align with our truth, it starts to bring up anxiety or depression. It starts to bring up issues within a person. And so for some people, that was a fine way to, to be. And I know a lot of people that I was raised with chose that route. And that's what they felt was right for them. But for some of us, it didn't feel right. And it was met with resistance. And so when I started to realize when I was in college and I was experiencing this joy of learning and this joy of, um, of expansion and looking at other ways of thinking, other people, other cultures, other experiences, I started to realize that this traditional model, this household that was modeled to me was not what I, uh, what was living in my truth. That would not have been what was living in my truth. So at that point, 
you know, whenever I started expressing that I wanted to go to graduate school and I wanted to be a psychologist and all these things, there are many times that I had met that I had experiences that I have had where expressing these things to people um, that were in these, you know, like the Greek traditional households, they would just kind of look at me like, why, why would you want to do that? Um, And so that was the beginning of me pushing up against that, that belief system internally. And so there's like, oftentimes when we, when we fight or when we, um, challenge those belief systems, there's an internal conflict because that has not been the norm up until that point. This is why change is so difficult. And this is why when people come in for therapy, I often tell them that it's going to get hard before it gets easy. It's going to get, it's going to be, um, you know, before you experience some relief from some of your symptoms, oftentimes it's worse. And that's because change is never, it's not easy. So, you know, there are neural pathways in our brain and um, the way that we, uh, the, the way that those pathways are created is that we choose the same behaviors over and over again, and those pathways become deeper entrenched into our mind, into our brain. And those behaviors, whether they're adaptive or maladaptive, become our, our path of least resistance. The thing that is familiar is what we tend to recreate. So when we want to create a new behavior, we have to create a new pathway. And to be uh, estimated that it takes 21 days to create a new neural pathway, which is why some of these rehabilitation programs are 21 days. So when I realized that my beliefs um, were you know, I was challenging the beliefs internally that, you know, maybe a woman isn't meant to just do these things that I was told I should do. Maybe there are many more possibilities. But, you know, in saying that, you know, that doesn't mean that I uh, was aware of the the experiences that I was choosing that were recreating that power struggle, the choices I was making in the friendships I had and in the men I dated that were recreating that power struggle, that submissive dominant type of relationship. And once I experienced that I was choosing these, these things, I was choosing these people in my life and it became a conscious decision not to go down the path of least resistance, I can say that my life changed literally overnight. And so there was a, there was a book written many years ago, several years ago called The Secret. And it was, it's kind of a simplified way of describing what I'm talking about, but they were, they were trying to explain manifesting and and how our beliefs and our thoughts affect and create our environment. But I'm just going to break it down into the three things that you can start working on as you identify the patterns that you're recreating in your life. So first it starts with a belief and the beliefs I'm talking about are usually, they usually have to do with your sense of self, who you are, whether you're damaged or, um, or empowered or disempowered or 
helpless, whatever it may be, but there's a belief about self. Then there's a belief about your environment and whether and the safety of the environment. So whether the environment met your needs and whether it was safe to be in your environment, if your environment was unstable, if it was erratic, if it was mm, volatile, or if it was caring and nurturing. So thinking about that. And then the third part has to do with um, e efficacy. And so if you are efficacious, meaning that you are empowered, you have control um, rather than everything around you is out of your control. And so when you take all of those pieces and you consider the beliefs that you hold, those beliefs form our thoughts. And so if you're walking through your day, going along through your day, much as that, you know, ongoing air conditioner in the background, we're not paying attention, but there is an ongoing monologue going on in your head. And that monologue could sound something like, this will never work out for you. Or, um, you know, they, those people always get first, first dibs. It's not fair. Or, uh, well, I'm never going to get that. That's just not my luck. And, and so there's this theme. And even though we have tens of thousands of thoughts per day, there is a theme underlying it. A theme of oftentimes of scarcity or a theme of danger or a theme of like dog eat dog, you have to get ahead. And so as you go through your day, I encourage you to notice, take, there are some certain apps that help you, you know, set an alarm to notice what you're actually thinking through the day and what you're telling yourself, because those thoughts are affecting your feelings and they're affecting your behaviors. They're affecting your choices. And so if you walk into a room and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you know, I, um, I'm not very good at social situations. Well, you know, that'll affect your behavior. It'll also affect who you choose to interact with. It'll also affect what you say to the people you interact with and how they treat you in turn. And then that belief will likely get further strengthened. And so that belief becomes your truth. So it's really difficult to, to challenge these beliefs, but it's very possible. And I absolutely recommend a therapist to help along in the process because we, we cannot be objective, objective observers of ourselves at first, at least we can't. So this is the first way to start breaking it down, just mindfully paying attention. And in order to be mindful, that goes into another a topic of, mind, of, of, being, um, of meditation, of just being present, being in the moment. And much like we are in our, you know, our recycled thoughts all day, we are also mostly in the future or in the past. So being mindful only means being in the present moment, noticing your thoughts, noticing your feelings, noticing your actions so that you can become not only not a passive observer, but an active, an active person in your life to become active in the choices and conscious of how you are choosing and creating all of the possibilities around you. Um, so there's another contributor that 
we have I haven't talked about because there's always this debate in psychology regarding um, nature versus nurture. And so, you know, with this theory I'm, I'm presenting now, it would just be that it, it's nurture. It's just your environment. It's your experiences. And that's what dictates your beliefs. But there's also genes. And so, you know, I've always believed that genes don't play as much of a role as your environment does, but it does play some role. And this is why two different people could experience the exact same situation and one comes out of it with PTSD and the other one doesn't, you know, two twins, for example. And so this is something to, um, to consider. And there's a whole field called epigenetics that also talks about how our ancestors and our, uh, you know, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents have passed along their lifetime experiences through their genes to us. So that's like a fascinating field, very a new field to study um, human behavior and animal behavior. So, um, so I want to just encourage you to start to be mindful of your beliefs, of your self talk of what, how you interpret the world around you, of the choices that you make, and of what your preconceived notions are of situations. And start to investigate, start to be more curious about this. And again, I think the best way to do this is to be uh, to engage in meditation. There's a couple of apps I always recommend to people. One I love is Headspace. Another one I really love is Insight Timer. And even if you just start with 10 minutes a day, it just really helps to slow you down, being in the moment, observe and pay attention to yourself on purpose, non-judgmentally, and to decrease that mental chatter that is always there. And at first, I have heard every single time I've told someone to begin meditating, I've been, I've had the response of, well, I'm really bad at that. I can't do that. And so the secret is that everyone is really bad at that at first. And actually everyone is really bad at it most of the time because our thoughts are constant and the goal is not to empty your mind and not think of anything. The goal is to just observe and to be in the moment and to connect there are different techniques to connect to this moment. So as soon as you notice that your mind is going into the future or your mind is going into the past and you bring it back into this moment by focusing on your body or your breath, you're there. That's being mindful. And you might have to do that 10,000 times in a minute, but every time you do that, you're being mindful. And so as you decrease that mental chatter, it's much like that metaphor I've heard with a dirt in a bucket that you can't see to the bottom when it's all kind of flurrying around in some water but if you allow that water and that dirt to settle you can think and clear and feel you can feel and think more clearly so and this allows you the ability to have a gap between your thoughts and your behaviors and to make different choices and Eckhart Tolle talks about this in the power of now I believe it was in that book he wrote and he talks about how there is a gap between thought and behavior, but 
most of the time we're not aware of that gap because it's one, we think, we act, we think, we act. There's no break, there's no observation, there's no self-reflection. And so the goal is with mindfulness meditation is to have a moment, to have a gap, to observe your reaction, your reactivity before you follow through. And the good news is that the research now is showing that the brain is malleable. There's evidence that of neuroplasticity, that we are not predestined to be how we were born. We were not predestined to stay how we are. We have the ability to create new neural pathways, new habits, new behaviors, and to observe ourselves in a very conscious and mindful way. So I just want you to start noticing and also email me with any questions or any thoughts about this show. I want to also take the time to discuss um, manifesting in a future show. And I also want to discuss my spiritual awakening at the age of 33 and to talk about that the moment that that happened and the moment that I have heard this happening from many people I have spoken with or read about is at the worst moment. So there's a book called uh, Broken Open. Uh, I forgot the name of the author. She, Elizabeth Lesser, wrote a book called Broken Open. And it's about how when you're broken open by having you know, a really, really difficult time in your life. And that this is the moment. This is the moment that you have your awakening. This is the moment where you grow, that you cannot grow without being broken open. And so, you know, in light of what is happening now, we're in a pandemic um, where, you know, there is turmoil on every spectrum, whether it's financial or political spiritual, geological, there's there's just a a breaking open right now happening. And so this is the moment now to start being introspective and to slow down and, and to grow, to grow as an individual, to grow as a, a, a family and to grow as a country and as the, a planet. So with that, I'm going to leave you. And if you want to email me with, again with any questions or, or thoughts, I, I can be reached at office at delraypsych.com. And uh, I want to say that this show is brought to you by Delray Psych and Wellness. We are a practice in Alexandria, Virginia. And thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time. Thank you. This is Dr. B. Yeah.